0: I know in your bulletin it says that the scripture readings from 1 Corinthians 1, chapters 10 through 18, but as I prepared my sermon yesterday, uh, I picked a different set of verses to use that I was a little more comfortable with. So um, I'm going to read the scripture from Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called to them too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Last week after my first sermon, I was so excited and also very humbled as many of you approached me to give your feedback and, and to talk about the sermon that, that i presented. I really felt like the Lord had spoken through me and used me as a tool to speak to all you guys. And because of that, last week was one of the highlights of my entire life up until now. Uh, yesterday, I got a text from Daryl um, in the middle of the afternoon well, I'll get to that in a second. I text Daryl earlier on in the week, probably Wednesday or Thursday, and, and, and maybe I made a mistake here. I said, you know, Daryl, I, I I'm really excited about how the sermon went. I'd love to preach again sometime in the future. So if, if you have a day that will work out for you, let me know. And he texted me back and said, okay, we'll work on that. Um, then I got a text around noon yesterday from Daryl. And in that text, he said, go read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. I was in the middle of officiating youth basketball games at the time out in Ranger, and so I didn't have my Bible with me, but I did have the Bible app on my phone, so I went ahead and opened it up and pulled up 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, and I'm going to share with you guys what that verse says. It says, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teachings. I guess I should have known something else was coming after that. But a couple hours later, Daryl texted me again, and, and he told me that his mom had been taken to the hospital in Hillsboro, and he said he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to make it back in time for the services. So he asked me if I thought on such short notice that I'd be able to put a sermon together, and, and I told him I thought I could do it. I want you guys to know Second Timothy's not the focus of my sermon today, but I really think it, it really struck me deeply as I read it. I think it is a calling to all of us as Christians to be prepared, even when the times aren't the most ideal, to to preach our faith. So what struck me was that Paul was at the end of his life when he wrote this second epistle to Timothy, and the urgency with which he wrote is, I think, what stood out the most to me. He knew that he was coming to the end of his life, and he was incarcerated at the time, and, and he very urgently wrote this letter to Timothy to try and get Timothy to come and be with him in his final days. We as Christians, we can't only preach the Word of God when it's convenient, when we have time to prepare. That's not how the world works. We're called to guard the gospel and to constantly be ready to not only defend it, but also to exalt our Lord and Savior. As of yesterday, 2 Timothy 4 2 is my new favorite verse. So I went home after the basketball games yesterday, and I began to try and prepare the sermon for this morning. And I wanted to find something that would be a follow-up to last week's message of Come and See. So as I sat in my office at the house, I began to pray for God to give me some sort of guidance as to what he wanted me to preach to you guys about. And as I opened my Bible, my eyes landed on this, this passage from Matthew chapter 4 that I read to you guys. This is an account of Jesus' early ministries. This is actually the earliest account of his ministry, as he began to first choose his disciples and the people that were going to be his followers. And as I read the story about Simon and Andrew and James and John, what really occurred to me was how willing each and every one of them was to be able to be used as a tool by God to reach out to the people around them. Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. That's all Jesus had to say. And Simon and Andrew were immediately hooked. There was no bargaining between the two men and Jesus. No semblance of needing to go home and order their affairs and get things in order before they left to go with him. There was no resistance to answering the call that God had placed before them. And I'll admit, it's a pretty unique and a pretty dramatic call. It's a pretty dramatic story of how these two men answered Jesus' call to follow them and become fishers of men. But each day, each one of us answers that call in ways that oftentimes get lost in the shuffle of life and overlooked because maybe they're not the most earth-shattering or or ground-moving events. But every time you show kindness and compassion to the people that you encounter on a daily basis... You're showing them the face of God through your actions. We're all blessed with different strengths, different interests, different talents. It may not be necessary for all of us to travel around the world and go be in the mission fields to um, share share our experiences with God. It may not be necessary for all of us to visit war-torn countries in order to be able to share the compassion of Jesus with other people. What matters is that each and every one of us answer the call that Jesus has placed on our lives in the individual context with which we've been placed. For some people, that may be in the business world. For others, that may be in a service industry, or in retail, or in education. I myself have been absolutely blessed the last five years to work with our nation's youth and Um, Those of you that have spent time with with the youth, you know that it's not an easy calling, but it's been incredibly blessing for me. When we answer the call of God, it's not necessarily our professions that are changed, it's our hearts that are changed. See, God placed each and every one of us in the unique situation that he did for a specific reason, to impact a specific demographic of the population. Last weekend, I got the opportunity to go to Waco. I was there Friday and Saturday at the Texas High School Baseball Coaches Association State Clinic. And while I was there, I got to hear some brilliant, brilliant baseball minds as they gave seminars about some of the things that they'd done to create the type of success that they'd had in their careers as coaches. But out of all those seminars that I sat in and listened to, there was one that stood out above and beyond all of the rest of them to me. And it wasn't necessarily so much a presentation about baseball as much as it was a presentation about life. Those of you that are familiar with college baseball, you'll easily recognize the name Augie Garrido. For those of you that don't watch college baseball, Augie Garrido was the longtime head coach for the University of Texas, which kind of pains me as a Red Raider, but we'll, we'll uh, let that pass. Coach Garrido is one of the winningest coaches in college baseball history. I think he has over 1,800 wins as a head coach. He was the keynote speaker at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony last Friday night for all of the new coaches that were being brought into the Hall of Fame. And as he stepped up to the mic, he told us a story of very early on in his career, before he got to the University of Texas, when he was the head coach at Cal State Fullerton, He was able to take a program with little to no history of success at all and bring that program into the forefront of college baseball. He actually served two different terms as the head coach at Cal State Fullerton. He spent a couple years at the University of Illinois in between. But when he was coming back to Fullerton for his second tenure as the head coach there, the university had agreed to spend millions of dollars to renovate the baseball field. See, when he took over the baseball field resembled more of a little league field. It had chain link fences for the dugouts, no grandstand for the spectators to sit in, playing surface that was subpar, not the kind of surface that you'd expect a division one caliber school to be playing on. So as he came back for the second time, the university had agreed to spend these millions of dollars to renovate the field. And the university president, reached out to one of the most famous graduates of Cal State Fullerton, a guy you might recognize his name, Kevin Costner. And the university president asked Mr. Costner if he'd be willing to come and speak at the opening ceremonies of the new baseball field. Kevin Costner agreed, but on one condition. He wanted to be able to have a 30-minute sit-down in private with Coach Garrido. So Augie agreed to that, and he said, as they sat down in his office for this meeting, Kevin Costner told him the following. He said, I was a student at Cal State Fullerton when you were here the first time. I wasn't a baseball player, but I'm a huge fan of the game. So I came to every home game that I could make it to. I sat right behind the dugouts, and since they were chain link, I could hear everything that you said to your players. I heard the words of encouragement that you gave them in, in hard times when they were down late in the game. I heard the baseball lessons that you taught them, but I also heard the life lessons that you instilled in them. Costner said, as I was preparing for my roles in both Field of Dreams and Bull Durham, he said, I quoted to myself over and over those things that I had heard you say to your players all those years ago at Cal State Fullerton for two reasons. First of all, it helped me get into the mentality of, playing the role of a baseball player that I was going to play. But second of all, it lended me some sort of credibility in the baseball world. At that point, Coach Garrido stopped and he looked up from the mic and he said, now let me be clear. I'm not telling you guys this story to elevate or inflate myself. I'm telling you this story to prove a point. And the point was this. We never know who we impact or what the impact that we have on them is. Wow. I mean, it gives me goosebumps standing up here just thinking about it. it. It really did have an impact on me hearing that speech. And the beauty of that story is that just, it, it doesn't just pertain to baseball coaches. It's relevant to each and every one of us as followers of Christ. Some of us are called to the mission fields where we go and get our hands dirty and show the compassion of Christ while helping people in that way. Others of us are called to serve in schools with the nation's youth. Some through service organizations. Others through providing legal counsel and advice. And some people just from offering prayer and support to people who are down on their luck. Following Christ means something different to each and every one of us. What matters most is that you use the talents and the skills that God blessed you with to help further his kingdom and to spread his name to everybody that you encounter. So where do you hear God calling you to join in that struggle of being a disciple? What needs do you see in our church or in our community or in our nation or in our world that really speak to your heart? How can you respond to that call? The greatest gift in the world is that Jesus came to bring salvation to all of us, no matter who we are, no matter where we live, and no matter what mistakes we may have made in our past. He came not just for those people that have achieved great successes in their life, but equally as much for the people who have had to struggle every step of every day during their life on earth. He came for you, and he also came for me. And he invites each one of us, regardless of who we are or where we're from, to follow in the work of transforming the, lo- the world in the name of God. Answer Jesus' call to follow me. Take that leap of faith. Put that faith in Jesus Christ. He even outlines for us how we should go about taking that leap of faith, and following him. He, he tells us in the last verse that I read. Matthew chapter 4 verse 23. He says go throughout your community. Teaching in many ways. Proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Through your words and through your actions. And attending to every disease and sickness among God's people. Answer that call. Come and follow Jesus Christ. And together we can all transform the world. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you once again for the incredible blessings that that you've given to all of your people. I thank you that we live in a nation that allows us to come freely and worship in your house. I thank you for the incredible faith of the people here at First Methodist in Eastland. And I thank you that you've given us all different gifts and different talents and different skills. I pray that as we leave here today, you make it our mission to utilize those talents and skills in the places that you've placed us, so that we can affect the world around us and further your kingdom. For it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.